0: I remember when they were born, just the joy of
1: seeing another being come into the world. And My husband and I got custody of Quentin when he was three years old. I'm a grandparent of three children. I guess I was in somewhat of denial at first because they came to me, the two older ones came to me. They was only supposed
2: to be spending the summer with me. My oldest granddaughter is Shanoa Tyahimba. My second is Shani Simon, and then there's Nia Simon.
1: No boys.
2: We're waiting. Six
0: grandchildren. We got a phone call saying that uh, her mother said that she was had been abused, and we went over and got her, and that was uh, about a year and a year and a half ago, somewhere around there, and she's been with us ever since.
1: I was afraid, to be totally honest with you, I was afraid, because at that time I was 53 years old, and I was done with raising children, I thought. I can't sit here and say it was all about me or what I've done
0: It's the grace of God and all the People around me that have supported me. The schools, the principal, the counselors, the teachers,
1: the football coaches. My husband and I talked about it, we prayed about it, we cried about it, we, you know, the whole nine yards. But finally we came to the decision that this was the right thing to do. I never in a million years thought at this point in our
0: life that we would have another teenager. It's like my other son said, um, you had an oops, and oh by the way she's 15 years old. (laughs) And really that's the way it's been. You know, it's been a whole new experience because things, everything has changed so much since our last child was her age. Now as a grandmother, I still find myself at the mall with the girls, in the game room with the boys, at football games uh, with my back hurting, but I have to be there for the support. So
1: this is totally different. He was taken away from his mother because of her illness and I would not rest until I found out where my grandson was.
2: We spend quite a bit of time with them. They come over all the time. Um, we have yeah. books throughout our house. Uh, they, they see me read all the time, so I think it has an impact on them. They understand that reading is important. Right, um, right, right. We actually yeah.
1: have a section on the bookshelf yeah. for them. Yeah. And when they were younger, we would read to them before they go to sleep. Yeah. So we got custody, brought him home, had all the joys that you would think for a three-year-old. The Christmases started over again. The bathing started over again. All of those things started again, but it was a new life for us. Then for the third one, um, he was actually put in foster care from birth, and his mother was deemed unfit, so, I was able to pull him out of New York system at the tender age of 18 months and I've had him ever since. We decided, okay, we're doing this. We're getting together as parents once again. Yes, he was our grandson, but we had to start the whole new thing over. The grand affairs were intentional in terms of us reaching out to these individuals and saying hey we're here to support you. I have lots of situations where we have opportunities for learning and we see grandma and daughter and grandchild who will come and grandma is just as much involved and grandpa is just as much involved as the parent is. My family is very united even since we were born you know we were little we all lived together my, for example, my cousins, they've all built houses behind their mom, their parents. So it's like you have my aunt lives in the front my cousin lives in the back and her kids live in the back. So we're very united. We always try to stick together. And I think that's one thing I like at her being home with her kids. Sometimes I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready for her to move out with all her kids are driving me crazy. And then when they leave, I
3: what is going on guys? Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the channel. This is a very important video today, guys. Um, It's one I've thought about here for the last two weeks. And it's one that should go down as one of the most important YouTube videos that I've done. Because this YouTube video probably won't make any sense until 20 years from now. So 20, 30 years from now if youtube is still around this video would make a lot of sense to you it's not going to make sense now but it's going to make a lot of sense to you the quintessential grandparents are becoming a dying breed guys and today i'm going to explain to you just how that is going to take place and how it's happening Let's start with this article from the United States Census Bureau. Marriage, divorce, widowhood remain prevalent among older populations. This article is from April 22nd, 2021. you guys on the podcast, uh, make sure to check this video out on the Purple Pill Perspective. And if you're new to the Purple Pill Perspective's YouTube channel, Click that subscribe button. Give this video some likes so that it can make its way around YouTube and other people can get this message. And be sure to hit that notification bell on your way out so you're aware when I make new videos. This article was written by Benjamin Gruntes, I believe that says. Don't quote me on that. And Iris Melo Garcia. Now, I'm going to go slow in reading this, guys. Marriage, divorce, and widowhood are all significant events in the lives of anyone who has ever been married, but they are especially prevalent among the older population. Older adults have rich marital histories that reflect both partnership and loss over their lifetime. According to the the new U.S. Census Bureau report, ignited number, timing, and duration of marriages and divorces in 2016. Since the 1990s, the national trend of divorce among adults 50 years or older has risen, often linked to the marital instability of the aging baby boomer generation. The report uses esti- estimates from 2016, one-year American Community Survey AC. ACS as well as the 2014 survey income and program participation wave 1 and Social Security administration supply uh, excuse me sup, supplement files marriage at least nine and ten adults ages 60 or older have been married specifically 91 percent of men and 92 percent of women ages 60 to 69 and 95 percent of both men and women ages 70 or older have been married. These estimates are much higher than all men 63 percent and women 69 percent ages 15 or older. Many older adults remained in their marriage for a long period of time. Amongst adults who married in the 1970s, at least half reached their 25th anniversary. At least 59% of adults ages 60 or older have been married just once. Amongst those ages 60 to 69 years, 46% of men and 39% of women are still married to the first and only person that they wed the marital history ages 60 plus at least nine to ten adults ages 60 or older have ever married between five to ten have married three or more times more than half of all older adults have only been married once. Amongst men ages 60 plus And women ages 60 to 69. At least 20% have married twice. Okay. So let's go back. The divorce. With marriage. Comes the risk of marital. Dis- dissolution. Via divorce or widowhood, which have both been prevalent amongst older adults. While 34% women and 33% of men ages 20 or older who have married have ever divorced, the percentage of adults 55 to 64 years who have ever divorced is much higher, and 43% for both sexes. Although significantly significantly lower when compared with 55 to 65-year-olds, high rates of divorce persist for those 65 to 74 years at 39%, which is still higher than, than for the generation, general adult population for adults ages 75 or older. The rate is lower at 24%. Since the 1990s, the national trend of divorce amongst adults 50 years or older has risen. Often linked to the marital instability of the aging baby baby boomer generation. Widowhood, divorce is not the only marital disruption. Now guys, I'm going to scroll through this because widowhood is something, something that is very important but to where i want this podcast to go i'm gonna scroll here if you want to pause this video to read this you can but the widowhood is something we can't you know death we can't escape death we we can't get away from death you're not going to run away from it so it's the divorce we want to pay more attention to but we can't escape the widowhood so If you guys want to look at that, you can definitely look at that and uh, pause the video. Or if you guys on the podcast, again, if you want to check out the video, check out the Purple Pill Perspective. Okay. After divorce and widowhood, many older adults say, I do again. At some point in their life, amongst men and women 60 to 60 years old, 23% had married twice and less than 10% had married three times or more amongst those ages, 70 or older, 22% of men and 19% of women had married twice, while 8% of men and 6% of women had married three times or more. In other words, older adults have a rich marital history that reflects the diverse experiences of long-committed loss via divorce or widowhood, and new partnerships as they age. The night the 2019 American Community Society estimate that there were fifty-four million seventy-four thousand and twenty-eight people aged sixty-five and over in the US out of the total population. <clears throat> Or sixteen sixteen point five percent. So guys, what is all what does all of this mean as I as I close out this uh, article here, what does this mean to the quintessential grandparent becoming a dying breed? What does that mean? Well, I got a little bit more to show you.
2: Grandparents seem like they've always been in, in the life some kind of way, whether they were a custodial parent or just there. Sometimes they were child care. Right.
0: Um, right
2: often okay. they're child care, right? Right. Well,
1: Chinese mother was it the mm-hmm. child care, provided child care for our grandchildren. I mean, for our children.
2: Mm-hmm. There's number one granddaughter. No oh, number three granddaughter, then number two granddaughter. Okay. 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 Right. So we're going to prepare this angel breakfast this morning. And we have helpers. They've all graduated now to becoming these chefs. In fact, we're going to open up a restaurant, Nia and I. And sometimes we have leftovers. We often don't have leftovers if Nia's here, because she divides the bacon, and she tells everybody how many pieces they can have. I must say, if there's an odd number, goes to Nia.
0: (laughs) Getting up at 6.45 each morning at this age it's a challenge, but, you know, I have to do whatever.
3: Guys, this article was written by Sally Curtin, M.A., and Paul D. Sutton, Ph.D., Division of Vital Statistics. This article comes from the National Center of Health and Statistics. It's also from the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Studies have shown that adults in the US are increasingly postponing marriage and that record number of current youth and young adults are projected to forego marriage altogether. Marriage has been shown to be correlated with positive health outcomes and longevity. And a recent report showed that age-adjusted death rates for both males and females are lowest for those who were married at the time of death. Data on the number of marriages have been continuously collected and published in various reports from the federal government since 1867. With information from 1946 to the present collected through the National Center for Health Statistics, National Vital Vital Statistics System, the marriage rate per 1,000 population has been computed each year using a number of marriages and population data from the U.S. Census Bureau. This report focuses on marriage rates from 1900 through 2018. Much variation can be seen in marriage rates over the 1900 to 2018 period with the most pronounced fluctuations occurring during the 1930s and 1940s at the time of the Great Depression and World War II. Marriage rates ranged between 9.3 per 1,000 population and 2.0 from 1900 to 1929 and then declined to a relative low of 7.9 in 1932. The marriage rate more than doubled between 1932 and 1946. When it reached an all-time high of 16.4 and then it generally declined to 8.4 in 1958 and stabilized at 8.5 during 1959 and 1962. Stick with me, guys. I know this is a lot of statistical data. I know sometimes this can become boring, but there's definitely going to be a point to all of this at the end of this video. So please stick with me. I know it's crucial. We're going to get through it. Marriage rates increased beginning in 1963, reaching a relative peak of 10.9. In 1972, the rate then fell to 9.9. During 1976 and 1977, before increasing to 10.6 and 1980 and 1982, from 1982 to 19 to 2009, marriage rates almost steadily declined before stabilizing from 2009 to 2017 at a rate between 6.8 and 7.0 from 2017 to 2018 the rate dropped six percent from from to 6.9 per 1000 population to 6.5 the lowest of the 1900 to 2018 period data and source methods a history of collection of marriage statistics Detail elsewhere, the number of rates shown in the report are based on previous published reports. And more recently, an annual counts of marriage tabulated by NCHS through NVSS are available. Counts of marriage licenses are collected locally and then reported to NVSS through the Vital Statistics Corporation program. Not all states are represented for each year of data. Marriages in Alaska were included beginning in 1959 and those in Hawaii beginning in 1960. While marriages in California were excluded in 1991, those in Louisiana excluded in 2006, and those in Georgia excluded in 2013, and in 2014 for those years in which a state did not report its marriage counts and population counts are excluded from the, the the denominator. So that which means that we don't know if in these places that there were actually people being married at the time or there weren't. But as you saw up, up top where it said that the rate of marriages was declining by 2018, we're now in 2022. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at where marriage rates have gone from 2018, the last four years, to 2022. Just stick with me, guys. We almost
0: do. um, I have each one of them have uh, responsibilities in the house because with my girls, when I was, when I was just me and my husband, it was different. But with the grandkids, you have to have a schedule. You have to have some kind of organization in the home to keep it uh, running. Because if not, it would be total chaos.
3: So, guys, here we are. This is the current divorce rate by each state as of November 2022. This article, as we show our respect, comes from World Population Review. And it shows the divorce rate by each state. Now you can visit this, web, this website here at uh, www.worldpopulationreview.com and you can click on your state and you see the divorce rates in each state. And as you see, the purple means there are less divorces in that state. The red means that's the highest, the state with the highest amount of divorce rates. So, and that, that means including if the people are even married in the first place in that state. So that a lot of times you look at these statistical numbers, you have to take them with a grain of salt. Because also a lot of the states, as, as you as you just heard me mention, they're not. They're not including their data. Their data is not being included because they're not getting that data. So let's go ahead and read this article to see what it says about the current state of marriages in the United States. Marriage and divorce are becoming are both common experiences for adults, although both can be challenging. About 90% of people in Western cultures marry by age 50 in the United States about 50% of married couples divorce the sixth highest divorce rate in the world subsequent marriages have even been higher subsequent marriages have an even higher divorce rate 60% of second marriages end in divorce and 73% of all third marriages end in divorce divorces can be emotionally and financially difficult They can greatly affect parents as well as couples' children. According to the United States Census Bureau, both marriage and divorce rates decreased from 2009 to 2019. The marriage rate for 2019 is 16.3 per 1,000 women 15 and older, and the national divorce rate is 7.6. The average age for couples going through their first divorce is 30 years old. Couples are more and less likely to get divorced based on several factors. Couples married between the ages of 20 to 25 are 60% likely to get a divorce. Those who wait until they are older than 25 to get married are 24% less likely to get divorced. Those with strong relational beliefs are 14% less likely to get a divorce. The higher attainment of education someone has, pay attention, the lower risk of divorce. The lower the risk of divorce is, according to the US Census Bureau survey, the top 3 reasons for divorce are accountability 43%, infidelity 28%, and money issues. 22%. Divorce rates consistently spike in March and August. And in, in March and August every year. Northeastern Eastern states tend to have the lowest marriage and divorce rates, while southern and western states tend to have the highest marriage and divorce rates. Now I've said that as well. Um when when I lived in New Jersey, I want to get you give you guys an idea. I lived in the northeast. That's Jersey City, New Jersey is in the northeast. There are less people married in Jersey City. And in that area there were less people married in that area than when I came down south. I know more married dudes in the south than I do up north. So that's giving you an idea that more people up north Don't get married. You can check around and look at your look. Now, these statistics are telling you that. And I'm telling you that from experience. That's the reason why I wanted to read some statistics to you guys, because if I just give you experience here, you'll be like, well, that's your experience. Statistics, people usually can't battle against that because I noticed that, too, up north, north, that, that, that people are not a lot of people are not married up there. People don't even think to get married up there. And if you look at it, the, the, the family dynamic would change when less people are getting married or there's no marriages at all. Now, when you come down south, you see a lot more marriages. But there's something taking place in the south and all across America where the trend of being single seems to be more of a, uh, rampant idea, as you heard and my last, as you heard me say a while ago, where people want to forego marriage altogether, they rather just not be married. Let, let's continue here for a minute before I stray too far away. Below are the states with the highest and lowest divorce rates in the United States. Now, you got to remember, they have to be married first. And if I'm telling, if we just mentioned that a lot of northern states are not, they're not marriages taking place there, we don't even know what the divorce rates would be if they were to get married. The reason that the rate of divorce per population is so different from the percent of marriages that end in divorce and would create two entirely different lists of rankings is that states see different numbers of marriages. Illinois, for example, has the lowest divorce rate in the country, but less than 65% of people are married. And as you see what I'm saying, it has the lowest divorce rate. You understand? But less than 65% of the people there are married there, which means there's a lot of people there that are not married. In Idaho and Arkansas, where the divorce rates are higher over 70%, 72% are married. In this article, the rates are calculated based on the number of women who were divorced in 2019 per thousand women aged 15 and over. States with the highest divorce rates. The following states have the highest divorce rates in the United States. Number one is Arkansas. Number two is Oklahoma number three is Nevada, number four is New Mexico, number five is Kentucky, number six is Wyoming, number seven is Delaware, number eight is Utah, number nine is Kansas, and number ten is Alabama and uh, Missouri are tied. Now, Arkansas has the highest divorce rate of any state of 10.7 divorces per thousand. Arkansas Has one of the youngest average average marriage age of any state at 24 years of women and 26 years of men. Arkansas's divorce rate by 30 is 19.5%. The highest in the United States. That means, guys, what that means is that, like I just mentioned to you, even though these people in these further regions are getting together in marriage... At a younger age at 25, they're divorcing by 30 years old. And that's higher than it was years ago. So yes, they might be getting married, like I said, but they're divorcing really quick. So yes, they're they're yeah, you're you're getting that's why these rates are so high in these in these, in these, in these, in these most of these uh southern and western states, like I just mentioned. If you're not getting married in New York, New Jersey, only only northern state I see here is Delaware. But if you're not getting married in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and in, in those in those area, a lot of those areas right there, these rates are not going to be high because those people are not people are not married at all. That's what I want you guys to understand here. By the highest in the United States, the high divorce rate in Nevada is that people get married hastily in Las Vegas without thinking about the long-term commitment of marriage. <laughs> that's that's basically, additionally, the divorce rate in Nevada can be finalized in as quickly as 10 days. And that's an, that's a lot of people, guys. They don't think about the longevity of a marriage. See, you get a lot of young women that's coming up they want to have a wedding day, but they don't understand that there's 25 years and more to go beyond that day. So if they were not raised correctly. If they would, they did not have a great upbringing by strong parents who are together and showed them how to be in a marriage They would not want to be married themselves or not know how to facilitate a relationship themselves. Thus, the family dynamic starts to die off because there will be more single people trying to figure out life and not being in a relationship. Thus, they will care less about nurturing their children to be in relationships. Yeah, there would be probably financial growth and there would be technological growth and there would be all of these other great things in the future, guys. But there's a strong possibility that you may not see the grandparent dynamic as you've seen in the videos that I've shown you. Guys on the podcast, again, be sure to check out the Purple Pill Perspective for those videos. You may not see that strong of a connection that you saw that granddad and that grandson. Because a lot of boys who become men who are mentally still boys, they don't want to be married. they rather be single because they're running into a lot of girls who turn into women who are still girls, who call themselves grandmothers instead of grandmothers, and they focus more on still being young. Which strongly makes me believe that 40 years from now, 20, 30 years from now, you're going to have a lot of grandmothers who are not cooking because a lot of women are not cooking nowadays. A lot of women don't want to cook. They don't want to clean. They don't want to take care of a house. They don't want to they don't want to nurture a family. They have children, but they don't know how to raise the children because the, the mothers are getting younger. The grandmothers are getting younger and the grandmother doesn't really want to be involved in the mother's Uh, upbringing of her children. So the children live vicariously through the internet and through social media and through other ways of finding out how to facilitate life, which is damaging to those children. But let us continue. The following states have the lowest divorce rates in the United States. Number one is Maine. Number two is the District of Columbia. If you guys don't know what that is, that's D.C., Washington, D.C., South Dakota, Pennsylvania, New York, Illinois, Uh, excuse me. Number four is Pennsylvania. Number five is New York. Number six is Illinois. Number seven is New Jersey. Number eight is Iowa. Number nine is Wisconsin. And number 10 is Massachusetts. More than half of the states with the lowest divorce rates are located in the northern part of the United States. Maine and D.C. are tied for the lowest rates at 4.8. Here are the 10, the, the ten states with the highest divor- uh, divorce rates. I just mentioned those. Uh, number one is Maine. Number two is Nevada. Number three is New Mexico. Number four is West Virginia. Number five is Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Number uh, six is Florida. Number seven is Kentucky. Number eight is Arkansas. Number nine is Oregon. And number 10 is Montana. Now, the highest divorce rate is in Maine. The lowest divorce rate is in New Jersey. When you look at this, it shows you divorce and how high it is. And you look here again. We got some more statistics from these states, and these are all of the states. They're all of the states. Maine is the highest. So Maine is up north. For you guys that don't know, Maine has the highest divorce rate. So you you would say, okay, uh, okay, uh, uh, relationship stuff one on one. You just said that the northern states would have a low divorce rate. Because a lot of people there are not married, you guys must have never been to Maine before. <laughs> you guys, see, I didn't want to go there, but Maine—if you ever been to Maine—Maine Maine is more more like Maine is more like Wyoming than it is like New Jersey. If you understand what I'm saying there. Which means more people are more likely to get married there. In a lot of low-poveraged areas, the divorce rate is going to be low because the marriage rate is not high. Like I just said, a lot of marriages are not taking place up north. So we won't know those numbers because a lot of people are not getting married. That's why New Jersey's that's why New Jersey's divorce rate is so low because there's not a lot of marriages there. And that's why places like Nevada would be high because people just go to Nevada to elope. If you know that. They go to Nevada to elope. A lot of people just go there to elope. That's why not that's why Nevada's rate is so high. They need divorce in 20 to 30 days. So, when you look at what I'm saying here, It's hard to balance out what's going to actually happen in the future. As you get closer to up north, as you see those rates get lower. And as I mentioned, I'll leave this here. As I mentioned, the rates get lower. And as they mentioned above, if you need to rewind the video to go back. The rates are lower in the northern eastern states because the marriage rate is lower there. If you live up north, you understand what I'm talking about. If you lived in low parish areas in the northern hemisphere, you understand what I'm talking about. If you live in these places with these low divorce rates, you will look around and say, well, that's not a lot of people married here in the first place, so the divorce rates are not going to be high. But if more people in these regions where people are taking a a chance of getting that marriage, those divorce rates are going to be high because these people are trying it out, are trying to figure out how they can try at least to get something started, but then they realize that they don't want to get anything started in the first place. And as we go back to a lot of the younger people foregoing Marriage. Period. So what does this have to do. With the death of the quintessential grandparent. Sorry it took me so long to get here. This The last part of this video. That's what we are going to talk about. When you look at the marriage rate. Across the United States. And you look at the divorce rate. Across the United States. And you think about what I said at first, when a lot of people hit 50 years of age, they are opting for divorce. So a lot of marriages are not lasting past their 50th anniversary anymore. And you look down and you say, well, if a lot of people getting married, they're younger. But yeah, by the time they hit 50, they're getting a divorce. So you're not going to see. A happy grandmother. 50 years from now. Because if less people are getting married. Grandma is going to be really frustrated. At the fact that she's old. Excuse me for using that word. That she's elderly. And that she's alone. So she's going to be a very timid. And angry grandmother. Never mind the fact. This grand This grandmother. Possibly didn't spend a lot of time trying to console family, be with family, and try to attach herself to family. For some reason, there's a a popular narrative of if your family members are toxic, you need to distance yourself from them. And if your family members are getting on your nerves, you need to distance yourself from them. I spoke with an elderly gentleman and I asked him a question. I said, Back in the 60s and the 70s, how often did you hear your grandparents or any of your older aunts say F family and I don't want to be around family? He said never. Today, you hear that more often than anything. You can pull up a post right now. You can, you can pull up something right now on Google. If you guys want to We'll say, nah, that's something you're coming up with. You can go to Google right now. As a matter of fact, we're going to go to Google right now as I record my screen. I'm going to put forget family because why do we forget family members and close friends? No, okay, guys. I didn't want to put it here. Okay. Don't get me, YouTube. I didn't want to put that there. I'm trying to find a way to say... Is it normal to not want to be around? Not everyone feels a close connection to their families. In some cases, people may feel like they hate their families because their family relationships are often rooted in both shared experiences and shared proximity. proximity, proximity. It's a little wonder that they can sometimes be fought. I hate my family. What do you do when you feel this way? Now, (laughs) how about this? This reason, this was written by Motto Lawrence. 10 reasons you don't have to love your family. Why being related doesn't excuse toxic behaviors. Now, this is what I was trying to explain to you guys. There's a lot of conversation about toxicity. There's a lot of conversation about stress and anxiety. There's a lot of conversations about hidden, hidden uh, generational secrets that went on in the family that that has taken place over these last probably thirty years. Check out the check out the uh, podcast "Generations of Hidden Secrets." There's so many different things that are taking place as the the family. Die, the, fam- the grandparents get, get, get become younger and the, the, the grandfathers are not being with the grandmothers. That's guys having intercourse with these women, having children by them and not being around the family. So a lot of these families are growing up with women who are not strong enough to take care of these families and keep these families together on her own. So a lot of different toxic things come into the mix. And cause a division between the family. And causes the divide. And causes a lot of the other people in the family to do things. Say things and act certain ways. And which causes the family to become toxic. Um, when did the, the uncle at the holiday dinner become a, a cliche? I mean it's something I realize is more than real. But. Why do so many people experience this culture, society, religion, politics? None of that matters. Not really. Not when you can block him on social media and avoid Thanksgiving dinner for the rest of eternity. And of course, I'm sure your mom and grandmother will call and complain that you don't love them anymore. Yeah, but you know what? You don't have to love these people just because you're related through blood. You don't have to hold back your criticisms. You don't have to bite your tongue when grandpa makes a racist comment about your Jewish husband. You don't have to love these people if they don't love you and give you the same courtesy and respect. Love is something you don't put to condition and you shouldn't put conditions on love. Uh, We go back to unconditional love and conditional love, which is actually right. You don't put conditions on love. You love people unconditionally. But if you think about what this person just said a little bit further up, they did because they're all putting conditions on their love. (laughs) So the person writing this article contradicted themselves, but we ain't going to say anything. Toxic people hold you back and you are less productive, and less successful when you're being held under deep waters by the anchors of self-loathing, emotional abuse, and someone else's conditions for you. Still don't believe me? Here are 10 reasons why you don't have to love your family. I can't find an article nowhere 20 years ago that says anything about this. These type of articles, as I just mentioned, didn't start to surface until like... 10 years ago, the conversation about toxicity, uh, the conversations about not being around your family, you don't have to love them. These different conversations causes a strong divide in the family dynamic. If you guys want to read this article, um, it can be found at. uh Excuse me, I'm trying to what I'll do. Hold on, guys. What I'll do okay, is guys guys uh www. I think that the medium.com oh uh, what I'll do is I'll just put I'll just put a link to this article in the description of the video that's what I'll do I'll put a link in the, in the, to this article in the description of the video that way you can read this article its as, as entirety. I just got to this article. So you guys can see. I just got to this article so you guys can see exactly what I'm talking about. taking a little time to show some pictures of some grandparents and their grandchildren. What we have to understand, if you look out at what's going on, there's so many ways that you can go out and find out why what I'm saying is true. And how what I'm saying is true. You can go to the statistical data. You can walk outside in your local neighborhood. You can go on social media. Social media becomes our biggest outlet for news nowadays. And when you got so many people talking about not being married, not being in relationships, you have the strong validation of women who... Are getting validated from men who no longer know what a strong relationship means and what it means to be validated by one man, and you have these guys who have so many women that they're out there looking at. They're being introduced to so many women, and they don't understand what it means to only look at one woman. I asked a question on on uh, social media. Is social media destroying relationships? And a lot of people have back and forth uh, answers about that. You can also check out the podcast I did with Bailey Purnell, who is a social media influencer. And she has her own company where she teaches people about how social media is bad for their mental health. In our conversation, we came to the conclusion that the only way social media can initially destroy your relationship is if you're on social media acting single. But a lot of other people said that with the birth of social media, it caused a rift in the relationship dynamic. Because 20, 30 years ago, more people were not on their phones. They were actually together in the house sharing moments to go. Talking, conversing and building. Now more people, they have their faces in their phones And they're sharing less time together. These statistics are also available for you to find on Google, guys. And I implore you to do your research. The quintessential grandparents are becoming a dying breed. This is not going to make sense to you until 50 years from now. 20 years from now, as I mentioned in the beginning of this video, this video will make sense. As we start to see Thanksgiving no longer be a holiday where there are women in the kitchen conjugating and cooking. But there are women in the living room. Conjugating about who's going to cook. And. More women, as my cousin mentioned, and I said in the video, are searching for ways to cook on YouTube than they actually have a recipe that they've learned from their grandmothers, they never before. Someone might say, Well, you have the stats for that? You don't need the stats, you can go find this on social media. Social, you can see before back in the day when you didn't have things that you could just go look for, you needed the, the, the statistics to find these things. You guys can click off this video right now and or get off this podcast right now and go to social media and see how many women you see cooking or talking about cooking compared to you see how many women are on social media acting, talking and looking crazy. You guys can go on social media and see how many men are there beside them helping out or even in the or around them compared to doing the same thing on the Internet, creating content, talking badly about women and acting stupid. The more the conflict happens, the more the divide happens. And when the conflict and the divide happens, the family dynamic takes a tremendous, tremendous decrease. And as that decrease starts to happen, we no longer see loving grandparents no more. We see angry people who are upset at the fact that they've come at this part in life without anyone. They're lonely now. They're mad and they're not what we was used to 40 years ago. 30 years ago. Once all the baby boomers are gone. We are going to be. Seeing. Less of those quintessential grandparents. So you guys appreciate them. While you have them. Because some people may be saying to themselves. What is the quintessential grandparent? What, What does he mean by that? who 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 is he he talking about well I showed you some people in the beginning of this video I showed you the 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 the, the elderly people that's not to mean that these younger people don't do that that's not to mean that you don't see younger people like this anymore? That's not to mean that. If you guys on the podcast can't see what I'm doing, I'm flipping through more pictures. That's not to mean you don't see this. Excuse me guys, I'm recording my screen. You got a young mother here reading to her son. But you definitely, you definitely have to understand that grandparent, when you walked in the house, the house was immaculate. There was always some smell of Mr. Clean or... Uh, 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 uh. What's the other one that a lot of elderly people love to use? Uh, pneumonia, <clears throat> pledge. Everything there was dust and nowhere. Always the smell of food coming from the kitchen. She's in there working the kitchen. As you step into the living room you've seen granddaddy sitting there watching sports watching his favorite TV show he got his legs crossed you give him a hello he gives you a hello back you kiss him on the cheeks he reciprocates and kisses you back he's calm he's quiet he's somewhat of an intimidating figure His wife is in the kitchen preparing his meal. There's no arguing. There's no fighting. These people have came past that stage. And they understood that they get along better. When there is no arguing and no fighting. Their family gets along better. When they can present this to them. You've talked to grandma. She has knowledge. She has drive. She gives you good words of affirmation. Things that make you feel like you can be a giant. In such a confusing world. You leave her from the kitchen. To do her do. You go to grandpa. You sit down with him. And he no longer. He not only makes you feel like a giant. That could take on the world. He makes you feel like a spaceship. That can fly to another galaxy. At the speed of light. Because these two people. Focused more on. How to educate you then they did focusing on social media creating content disrespecting women disrespecting men creating memes and different things of that nature now, some people would say, well, you, you're contradicting yourself. You're creating content. Yes, I'm creating understanding. In a world where the creation of understanding is possible now. And hopefully what's understood here today. Sunday. December 4th, 2022. That if this podcast does not bring together more families and does not bring together more men and women to focus more on building the family dynamic. We will not see the the quintessential grandparents. In the year 2050. I hope this makes sense. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Have a great rest of your Sunday. And I'll see you in the next one. Peace out.